Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Project MedTech. I am your host, Dwayne Mancini. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor, subscribe, leave a review, and share on your network. As always, if you need to get a hold of the podcast for any reason, whether it be to get connected with a previous guest, recommend a future guest, or take advantage of our network, please email us at projectmedtechpodcast at gmail.com. My guest today is Alex Fair. Alex is a CEO and co-founder of MedStarter.com. He is the board member at MedStarter Direct, and he is the managing partner of the MedStarter Venture Fund. Alex runs MedStarter.com, which is a healthcare innovation-focused crowdfunding site. And in this episode of the podcast, Alex and I discuss the importance of crowdfunding and how it can be used for medtech companies in raising money strategically. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my discussion with Alex Fair. Medical innovation starts with medical discussion. Talking about the future and what comes next with Project MedTech. All right, Alex, thank you for joining me on the podcast this morning. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Dwayne. Absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned in the in the intro, you're you're the CEO of MedStarter. You're a managing partner of MedStarter's venture capital fund, and you have a whole host of other other uh, things you're involved in. Um, before we get to all that, let's let's talk about your background. You know, how you got to where you are, and 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 kind of what that looks like. Sure, I'm happy to. And thanks for having me, Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I you know, I was a scientist. I intended to go cure cancer. You know, my grandmother got sick, so I switched out of physics and I started doing uh, biotech research, first in molecular biology and, and then all over the place in pathology. Uh, but then I had a, a request from a family friend and and I answered it by creating a piece of software, which then became a company and I hired a bunch of people and and then, you know, got us all aqua hired a couple of months later and kind of never went back to finish my PhD or go to med school or any of that stuff. I just kept working sort of the intersection of healthcare, uh, software development and um, medicine. Yeah, um, it's I mean, business medicine and and coding. You know, you had those three up and back in the 90s, that was a pretty rare thing. Um, right. And uh so anyway, so so I got to be a CIO in my 20s of a publicly traded company and then uh, started a consultancy. I actually wrote all the code that connected barcodes and QR codes and cell phones back in the 90s. So, you know, I did some consumer tech stuff, too. Um, so, you know, so, I, so I've had a pretty good run. <clears throat> and then in 2009, uh, I wanted to get back into healthcare because I had sort of strayed kind of to women's clothing. Not literally, um, but um, which if I did, that was that'd be fine. No, no, ju- no judging. But uh, but no, I was in the industry. Um, but uh, and so I didn't know anybody. So I so I went to this this new thing called a meetup, and um, this is in 2008. If I recall, it was April Fool's Day, 2009, actually. And okay. Eugene Barakovich was running it. I don't know if you know Eugene, but at the time he was, you know, a high level IT guy at. Medco, which was uh, um, part of Merck back then. Um, anyway, or just splintered off of Merck. It was a, a you know pharmaceutical distribution company, and it doesn't really matter. So, so I, there I met Esther Dyson and Giles Friedman and all these people who had done like really crazy, amazing things. 
Yeah. As well as doctors and things like that. And I was working on, I think, my fourth startup at the time called Faircare, which was a price line for healthcare, essentially, uh, negotiation system. And I'd, I'd gone out and I talked to 2,200 doctors and I got 100 to sign up. And, um, and I was coding out the platform. Um, so I was really just sort of in early stages. And I met a lot of people that I, um, you know, that could help with what I was doing, lawyers and people like Esther Dyson, investors, what have you. Mm-hmm. And um, Esther Dyson, you know, if you don't know who she is, she's, you know, uh, she invested in the internet when it was first invented kind of thing. Um, really smart lady. Um, one of the best people I've ever had on stage. Anyway, but um, okay. <clears throat> so anyway, um, so I meet all these great people. And so when Eugene had to go off to Europe to do his next job, um, he asked me to run a couple of events and uh, I'm still doing it. You know, that was 200 events ago. Okay. Um and so that was in 2010 or so that I started running them. And then in 2012, I opened up a, a we, you know, after what we call the healthcare gamification flash mob, <laughs> hashtag, 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 <laughs> uh, for my friend uh, Thor Ernstson, who had just decided to leave, um, he had decided to leave um, the gaming industry from Zynga. Okay. Um, and he came to healthcare and he wanted to move to New York. So I threw him this event. And by the by five in the morning, we had figured out that we that healthcare innovators needed their own crowdfunding site. Yeah. So, you know, we named it H Kickstarter, um, you know, where the H was silent. It's just okay. sort of a goof. Uh, yeah. last second we changed all the names to MedStarter. Okay. Um, it's still sort of a goof. And we put two projects on the site. One was Fair Care. My name's Alex Fair, you know. So yeah. It's actually <laughs> worked. It's, it's Alex B Fair. I had walked around New York for like a hundred days and walked into 2,216 doctor's offices and said, hi, my name is Alex B. Fair. Would you like to make your medical pricing fair for you? <laughs> this is my idea of marketing. You know? I mean, yeah. What, was... what happens when, you know, a scientist goes marketing? Well, he, he does something really strange. <laughs> um, but no, 466 doctors let me in, of which a hundred signed up. So I was like, oh, okay. I guess the doctors don't mind listing their prices online. Right. But yeah. the, the big mistake that I made was I didn't charge anybody for uh, for being listed initially. I thought, you know, the whole freemium premium model, you know, with 2% conversion. And yes, 2% conversion happened, but, you know, I wasn't charging enough. Anyway, so mm-hmm. I finally figured out the revenue model that would work. I coded it out. I built it. And uh, I launched it on my Amazon farm servers and, um, and crashed the, the system badly. So, you know, we estimated that we needed like $3,000 a month in, in server fees, you know, and, and virtual servers. And so I went to go crowdfund that because um, I was kind of tired of, you know, spending my own money on this victory lap. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I throw myself a big retirement party at like 38. And um, and I was like, now what am I going to do? So I, you know, I, I chose price transparency as like, hey, this is a really hard problem that the world needs solved. You know, I can I can figure this out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the height of Hubri. um and anyway so so you know two years in i you know I, I was tired of spending my own money on it um and it was time for the all the people that we had helped because we had helped you know thousands of people save millions of dollars on care by this point the system yeah. worked. we just weren't getting paid very much for it so i figured out a good model and i loaded it up and loaded up every doctor in the country um and yeah and the crash out of it so anyway so go to crowdfund it um, and I put two projects on this newly named site, MedStarter, um, one for fair care and one for MedStarter. 
I guess mm-hmm. I should both my hands are in. <laughs> it's got, it's like, but then they look huge. It's like this or this. Anyway, but, and TechCrunch wrote about it. Wall Street Journal wrote about it. Next Economy wrote about it. They say crowdfunding comes to healthcare. So, you know, all these people come to the site, like 70,000 people in the first week. And, um, and a ton of people fund MedStarter because we put a project up on MedStarter. And because I had the community, I could just set up a camera in the room, in the corner and say, okay, all you innovators, you know, my friends that I had known for years, you know, say this line and end it, say whatever you do and then end it with, you know, uh, if, what was it? And I'm a mid starter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, meaning like any, any good. Yeah. So, you know, I already had my tribe. So, you know, having your tribe before you start, you know, any kind of crowdfunding campaign or any social media activity, um, you know, is, is key. So, I mean, we didn't know these things at the time, but then people like Fred Trotter, Regina Holiday, um, Dave Chase, um, Sonny Vu, all these people who, you know, became extremely successful got funded on uh, MedStarter in the first couple of years. No kidding. Um, but then large companies started coming to us. GE was the first and said, hey, you know, we run all these contests, but the teams that win, they don't necessarily go anywhere. You know, we've got all these really smart people, but they're good at knowing the things that they know, but they're not really that good at picking the winners. You know? Yeah. And if you think about crowdfunding, it's like a giant focus group, um, you know, and the, the, the people looking at it um, uh, are the people who matter. They're patients, mm-hmm. they're doctors, they're um, uh, pharmacists, they're people at big, uh, you know, companies that are looking for innovation, like, like you right. talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you've experienced the current MedStarter site, and that's, you know, that's the fourth version. You know, it's been constantly iterating uh, and trying to capture more information about what the people actually on the site think Yeah, startup. So what GE figured out uh, before anybody uh, and I built a platform to solve this problem was that the companies that do well in crowdfunding are much more likely to be successful in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having run pitch contests and events and things like that for years, and also seeing companies take off after having been successful on the site. You now, this is pretty, you know, pretty obvious to me too. Um, but um, but they, 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 they said, let's start doing contests through this and doing programs and campaigns around that. So actually that first campaign GE backed off at the end, but one of the partners in that campaign that, that had you know, signed up to help us was HHS. And so we ran our first crowd challenge for HHS um, and uh, some really great people there. And um, the team that won, well, you've heard of them, um, um, Michelle Longmire and, uh, and Medible. Um, hmm. So it was just Michelle and an outsourced developer and one little app for yeah. Um, and it was just well designed. People loved it. She won twenty five thousand dollars, and she was a resident at UCSF at the time, um, and uh, you know, medical doctor resident. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and she uh, she's obviously she's got like two three hundred people now. The company's worth probably about four hundred million. Um, and she really changed diagnostics and clinical trials and and a lot of stuff. Yeah, know, but it came from the germ of an idea and a little bit of encouragement. And we saw that time and time again. Sunny Vu. Uh, sold his first 8,000 misfit wearable, you know, watches. Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, they were not really watches. They were like Fitbits that were not ugly. Um, <laughs> I mean, Fitbits, I mean, they're, they're still pretty ugly. I mean, honestly. yeah. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, anyway, so, uh, but anyway, so, but he sold his company for 240 million 30 months after we, he debuted on our stage. 
Wow. And you know, he sold his first 8,000 units in a crowdfunding campaign that we helped him on. Yeah. Um, so, but also Regina Holiday funded conferences, Greg Trotter, you know, started uh, what was called DocGraph and is now called CareSet uh, on, on the site, got their first $65,000 in revenue and their first 48 customers. Even yeah. got Marcus, their number one client they got it actually in one of my, uh, my, my pitch contests. Wow. So, and they actually, and, and, and all along the way, we, we help them and we encourage them. So for example, uh, Fred um, is a you know, data hacktivist and he had done like a FOIA request on all of the physician referral information. And it's, uh, it's very uh, interesting who the customer for that data is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which to me is, is totally obvious, right? It's big pharma, right? Who, who wants to know who the influential doctors are? But he was doing all sorts of other business businesses around that, trying to sell to patients, trying to sell to doctors. I was like, yeah, okay, go go ahead, Fred. Try it and do that, okay? Mm-hmm. But while you're at it, on the crowdfunding campaign, also sell it to you know big companies, pharmaceutical, whoever that want custom versions of your data set. Yeah. So you got you like 48 significant you know customers, you know, just in that crowdfunding campaign. And it was people like the conference board and vitals.com and, and, and big pharma. Um, yeah. And, and now, you know, they, they've got about 25 people, um, you know, so not every company grows like wildfire. I mean, they, they grew eventually, mm-hmm. but, you know, but, um, but uh, so maybe not the best investment, Yeah. but, but certainly a success story. And so that's yeah. good. Oh, I was just gonna say it's 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 so so I first uh, heard about what you were doing through uh, Joe Hage's uh, premium group, and and that was like my first introduction to crowdfunding in like the health tech, med device, pharma space, anything like that, and uh, it makes a ton of sense. So the, especially listening to you present on it, you know, if you can if you can vet your ideas amongst a, a large group of of peers, it it's fantastic right Right. i mean if it's if it's not a good idea it it dies quickly um and if it is a good idea then you just exposed yourself to a whole bunch of people who can support you well going going back to that fair care example seventy thousand people come to the site you know hundreds you know support and fund med starter one person one person Mm -hmm. put money into fair care yeah my cousin so it really doesn't count. <laughs> and it wasn't that much money. <laughs> it was like 20 bucks. So, you know, so, so it, it provides a very clear market signal that you either have to go back to the drawing board, right. or pivot or do something else. Now, in the case of Fred Schroeder, it showed him who his real customer was. Right. right. Um, in the case of me, it said, hey, guys, you guys should probably work on that MedStarter thing. Mm-hmm. You know, people are paying you as much as you wanted them to pay you for the other thing. And yes, I know you love the other thing and it's got your name on it and you put two years of your life into it and way too much money. Um, but, you know, it, it's maybe it's time to pivot. And right. it's a very clear signal on that. And, and if you can't, so there's a, an article in Entrepreneur Magazine in 2015 and it said, you know, five things to know about crowdfunding. And the first thing it said, bastards, was that uh, crowdfunding sites like MedStarter, yes, they mentioned us, uh-huh. Are going to go away because you know niche crowdfunding sites aren't going to be compete, able to compete with the, the main guys. Hundred percent, they're right. Um, and I knew already knew that. I didn't need them to tell me. The third uh-huh. thing they said, which is also mostly true, um, it is that companies that can't get 
crowdfunded won't be able to get venture funded. It's a little bit extreme, you know, because obviously there's self companies and things like that. But it is definitely a good sign that, you know, that a company is more likely to be successful. It's not the only, you know, due diligence that, you know, one should do, but uh, it certainly is, is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. We start with that. So in 20, 2015, I ran a retrospective analysis of the first 2,600 companies that had come through the system, took mm-hmm. the top 3% and said, even with no due diligence whatsoever, how did they do afterward? Yeah. So it ended up being like 76 companies. And of those 76 companies, 36 have gone on to raise something like $470 million. Wow. Um, you know, from like two-person startups. Right. Now, and half of that was Sunny. Okay. So 204 mm-hmm. was Sunny Woo. But um, but uh, there was a lot of other really great stories in there. And while yeah. not all of them survived or all of them were real businesses, you know, guys like Fred were in that list. And, you know, I love Fred, but anybody who calls business sick. And you know, data activism, uh, Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> you know, might have to bring in somebody else to run the actual business, and he eventually did. Um, well, and he's you know still a great activist, but uh, mm-hmm. him and Ashish are some of my favorite people. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Ashish Patel is his partner. Yeah. Um, okay. Not partner. You know, partner in business. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. So, I mean, that's the first rule of crowdfunding is that, you know, that you need to do that. So, so when we run that analysis, I said, Hey, I should really have a venture fund. Yeah. Um, and so it took me about, you know, a bunch of books and a bunch of studying and talking to lots of people, but about, uh, 15 months later, uh, we started our first fund. Okay. I, I started it. It was just yep. my money. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, the next year those companies all grew a lot. So, you know, another, 15 months after I started the first one, we started the second one and that one brought in a bunch more investors. Okay. And now we're at about, um, it's about a year after we started the second one. Um, so, oh no, I'm sorry. It's about 18 months. Okay. Um, and so now we're probably going to start a third one. But, okay. Um, and, and, and how big, how big was the second fund? Uh, the second fund is only a couple million, but, okay. uh, but we intend the third. You know, so a first time fund is always, is always tricky. Um, because you know you don't know the right people and you don't right. have a track record. Yeah. And now our track record is fantastic. Uh, yeah. We've got a couple of twenty x's, one that might go hundred x. We've got you know wow. uh, relationships with the Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic. You know our startups. One of our startups got uh, you know eight million invested in them from Cleveland Clinic. I'm sorry, oh. Mayo Clinic. From Mayo Clinic. Okay. Um, and the, the Cleveland Clinic did a study with uh, another one of our companies that just got published. So. That company is growing amazingly. Yeah, um, I, mean, I can't talk about all the stuff that's happening, but basically, um, household names, you know, pending. I mean, you've heard a yeah. lot of in healthcare. We you've heard of a lot of them. Triage, you know, is the ambulance, you know, ED connection company. Mm-hmm. Lurchy is a contactless CGM. Safe Health uh, is doing um, COVID validation, but it started out as that's the one that Mayo invested in. Okay, COVID. Uh, vaccination validation, mm-hmm. um, but they they started out as just sexual health um, STD, you know, badge that goes on your dating profile. So yeah, so, I mean, it, so it says what your STD status is. Right. But Mayo is now using that as their uh, their uh, telemedicine platform for everything. Oh. They, yeah, they've got an amazing model. It's just you know, it's it's, it's a full vertical. Yeah. You know, from consults to diagnostics to in home testing to uh, order your medication, you know, like Roman or what have you. Yeah. Uh, um, but they were doing it just for sexual health. 
you know, I guess that's kind of like Roman too, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, their, their, their hook of being on the dating profiles, you know, was genius. Um, yeah. And now their other hook of being part of Mayo Clinic uh, is also genius. So Yeah. Well, that's great too. So, so companies can not only come to MedStarter for the crowdfunding, but then there's also a, a venture fund if if you guys happen to be interested in it. Well, I mean, the, so so the whole idea, if you yep. look at the logo, is you get all four of the stakeholders. Okay. The patients, the doctors, the the pharmacies, the pharmaceutical companies, the partners of various types, and the institutions. Yep. Uh, all come together and they they hold hands and they group together and they say, "Hey, this is a great company." Yeah. So, or this is a great idea that needs to exist. Um, this is incidentally our, our world tour t-shirt, which somebody asked me the other day, is this, is that a concert t-shirt? <laughs> that of course is exactly what the idea was. Yeah. Um, it looks like it. <laughs> so, so the, so anyway, so to answer your, your question a long ass time ago is how did I get into this? Basically yeah. I figured out that you could use the events, the crowdfunding and all that kind of stuff as a great way to figure out which companies are the most likely to be successful. In that retrospective analysis, it looked like it was going to be at least 186% internal rate of return, which is what venture capitalists use to measure their success. Just think of it as like X. So mm -hmm. like, you know, 100% is 2X. So it was mm -hmm. going to do like, you know, 2.8X per year, you know, in growth, which would have been 10 times better than your, you know, best venture funds yeah yes but your, your average venture funds your average venture funds don't even do better than the s p 500 so you know they'll be like at eight percent when the s p will be at ten percent or six yeah percent. and why is that because there's like a herd mentality in vcs but they're not listening to the right people they're listening to each other which mm -hmm. is like an echo chamber right it's like it's oh my friend told me this is a great company i'm going to go invest in that well okay that's one friend yeah who has a vested interest he wants other people to, you know, support his stupid decision in a lot of cases. Yeah. And there's a herd mentality. I mean, you look at people like Betsy Holmes and, you know, it's not uh, yeah. hard to imagine, you know, <laughs> Outcome Health or all these companies that, you know, have been flashes in the pan or, you know, had a really good pitch person or came out of Silicon Valley and, you know, were well-trained. And that's not, yeah. that's not good enough. Give me uh, Michelle Longmire, who passionate, had good design in her head, you know, understood the customer and, you know, really grew into be one of the best CEOs in healthcare, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, she, that initial kernel of an idea that, uh, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people saw it and hundreds of people supported and then get selected as the winner, you know, in front of a, an audience of a thousand people, the health data palooza, um, by a panel of pretty smart people, um, you know, and, you know, and what I always do in my events is, is we, we have all sorts of systems to gauge the crowd's response. So the whole medstarter.com site is designed for that. But at an event, we'll hand out forms. You know, we have electronic versions, you know, you know all kinds of stuff that we do that makes it so that we will know what the audience thinks because the audience that comes to our events, you know, is very useful. You know, they're very knowledgeable in the space. And like, this is like a typical, you know, pitch form. And yes, it'll have like the judges responses in certain yeah. areas. And yes, it is paper, but you know, it works. But more importantly, this is like the website. It's like, okay, do you want to work with these companies? You know, oh, yeah. so, and so in this one, this person said that they wanted to, what did they say they wanted to? They wanted to invest. 
in this company. And mm-hmm. note, note first, it's actually a self note. Um, but anyway, and then, you know, then we know who it is and, and what they're interested in. Yeah. And, and if they matter, you know, so this person, you know, is a, I don't remember this one, but um, some sort of doctor. Anyway, but, um, but, you know, that matters. And that, that yeah. is, you know, an important data point in us figuring out, you know, what happens. So when we do a, a good challenge, we'll get 800,000, 400,000 data points that tell us, you know, just like you going to the site, you know, so the, the site emailed you a project that fit into the categories you said you were interested in. Yeah. Then your response to that, clicking on the email, you know, uh, sending a contact request, clicking the pilot button, you know, filling out some form, watching the video, all that stuff is tracked. And that tells me and my team and my algorithm who is the most likely, you know, to be successful. So anyway, so that's how I got into venture fund, uh, you know, for healthcare startups. You know, I originally, but going back to the beginning, it was just because I wanted to help cure cancer. Yeah. Uh, now, if I can help a thousand companies help, you know, thousands of doctors help millions of patients each, you know, we figure, you know, by helping hundreds of companies already, not just as a venture fund, but as, you know, by holding a platform where companies could get up on top of it and say, hey, hey world, I'm here. And people like you could go find them. And you know, we yeah. figure we've, we've, we've done, had a huge impact already. And I just look forward to you know, having even more of an impact, which, you know, is nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so is, is it, is, so it's exclusive to what, like uh, the new digital age, telehealth, uh, mm-hmm. medical device, pharma. I mean, does it just cover the whole gamut? Anything that's, that's a great related question. health tech? I mean, our portfolio does not include pharmaceuticals yet, okay. um, but it does include a bunch of medical devices, mm-hmm. uh, digital therapeutics, um, and, um, you know, classic health IT. Even, yeah. We even have a clothing company, Karen Ware, uh, okay. it's, uh, is, you know, makes gowns that don't suck. And okay. they, and they just did a 50 X in revenue this year, no 50 X. No, they did a downward correction. So a 25 X in revenue this okay. year. Um, and, uh, I think they were using net or gross or something before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but my point is that they switched to PPE when COVID happened. So they started making masks and surgical yeah. suits and things like that. And, and they had pulled in one of our mentors, you know, as their head of production. Um, and they just took off like crazy. They went from, you know, in Q1 of 2019, I think they had like half a million in Q2, Q, by Q2 of 2020, they're doing like 10 million. Yeah. So, um so and overall for the year they 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 did great um and it's and it's sustained i mean because they they you know it's a it's a solid team and it's yeah anyway so so go ahead the reason that that crowdfunding hasn't really done much in the pharmaceutical space directly in the pharmaceutical space with actual drugs it's because it takes like a billion dollars to bring a drug to market usually right so so people look at crowdfunding and they, they don't answer those contests and we run you know a dozen contests a year to drive the uh, applications into the system. So we'll get like 1,100 companies apply, but very few actual real uh, medication drug companies. Okay. So what's the dollar amount um, that, you know, like in, in one of these, you know, crowdfunding, what's the average dollar amount someone's getting from it? So, so that article is right, that crowdfunding um, niche uh, sites aren't going to be that good at crowdfunding. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, you know, the most the company has raised, I think, on the site itself was $136,000. Okay. Um, and, you know, for a while, the average was like ten, eleven thousand 11000 for a successful project. But nowadays, people aren't putting money in 
Um, to me, I want the data of them clicking and engaging and things like that. So the money is right. not that important. So if you look yeah. at the site, we've taken a lot of the money aspects out of the emphasis. Why? Because for some reason people don't put money in yeah. like this, unless it's an equity crowdfunding portal. So mm -hmm. the SEC, you have to register with the SEC and basically make somebody fill out you know, 80 hours worth of paperwork in order to do an equity crowdfunding campaign. But remember, I, I need a low bar for people to enter my contest so I can get more data and we can get people engaged. So even though my application is, you know, it takes an hour or so, you know, my, my website application for the, for the crowdfunding, I was, I believe simple ones too. <clears throat> you know, I, I didn't want to create a bar that required people to do the real equity crowdfunding mm -hmm. routine and all the legal stuff and, and form D uh, SEC type stuff. Yeah. So, so I did not, um, I did not build that. We might build it at some point, Yep. Um, but, but that would be different than the contest and challenges that we do. Yeah, the value, the value for these companies, at least from a, like a medical device standpoint, is in that data. I mean, at least the, the, where, oh, my, where, my, where my mind goes, you oh. know, you're going to go raise money for a device, e even if even if you, you can get really good at uh, um, piecing together everything you need in a in a good timeline for a, de a, a traditional device and and using resources and not hiring on full time associates and keeping that low. You know, you can get a five ten k to market for four million dollars, no problem. Uh, sometimes less. I've seen less. You know, at my my previous job, my current job. Um, you see, so you're going to go get VC money, but if you can go pitch and say, "Hey, I won this event. Uh, I had all this interest from when I put this on. You know, when I put this into a network of people who are going to use this, and and here's my data behind it. I you know, I know it's going to be successful on top of of everyone's. You know stationary. I've talked to this key opinion leader, this key opinion leader, you know, you, you've talked to a vacuum of people, but right. in this scenario, you've talked to a bunch of random people who have approved your well, they're not They're not random. Yeah. So, or, well, yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's like, you know, we, we've been written about in hundreds of times mm -hmm. and if we get into like a med city news or, you know, uh, Becker's or whatever, it is so much more valuable than being in the wall street journal or, someplace like that. Um, mm -hmm. Why? Because the people who come matter, right? right. Actually, there are people in healthcare, they're doctors, um, or even if like, so, you know, the one of our companies that we invested in called Miami, um, there was a woman with lupus and she had a tweet chat uh, called Lupus Chat, which had like 40,000 people would come to it. So Tiffany Peterson is one of our mentors. That's the person with lupus and ran the tweet chat. So, you know, we sent it out to our mentor, just like what you got. Um, we used to do it manually. Um, but anyway, so it said to Tiffany and said, Tiffany, check this out. It's going to you know, help you with your lupus. She got excited about it. She did a tweet chat about it. She told her crowd. Another person ran another tweet chat, talked about it. Amanda Green out in LA, LA lupus ladies or handle. And the two of them got involved. And then suddenly they had two pilots and three partnerships that for this company that had been around for five years and had you know helped 70 people with lupus. And now they're written into insurance plans at Humana and Oscar and wow. they were our third investment and they raised their first $136,000 on the site. Um, and, and that's the crowd that matters. The crowd right. that really cares. And it's usually led by patients and then doctors. And then, because uh, you figure these two groups, even though you think that they have control, even though they are the primary customers, the people who get the innovation or the people who install the innovation or recommend the innovation, they don't usually have a say in which innovations 
get funded by pharma or investors or the government or anything like that. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're disenfranchised, you know? Mm-hmm. So that starter was initially created to help those people really have a say in what happens next. Yeah. Um, and so, and so it winds up creating a new kind of VC that listens closely to the people. And I mean, that's one of the reasons that now we do not 10 times better than most venture funds, more like 20 times better than most venture funds. Yeah. Because we combined listening closely to the crowd that cares. Right. To uh, doing traditional due diligence. So now we won't invest in, in the people who the founders are going to fight and break up and whatever. Right. right. That's, that's, we find that's one of the hardest things to predict. Um, mm-hmm. But we're learning. Um, yeah. Less of our companies have founder fights. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, our first, our third, and our seventh investments. So, and we're only up to thirteen investments. So, okay. Um, uh, but anyway, so, so hopefully we're getting better. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but you know, all's well that ends well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that and that's a common uh, <laughs> or, or or founders well, founders 40%, disagreements. Yeah. Forty forty percent of all founders end up leaving. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, every every VC that I've had on the podcast so far has has said that's that's generally something they try they try to you know vet out, and whether they're successful or not is is it's, it's you know, not tough. It's, yeah, uh, you know, we find that if you look at the the uh, cap table, see who has control, and look at the relationship between the top three people who have you know the most shares, um, you know, really try to suss that out. Um, and oftentimes, actually, because there's so many companies in our farm system, you know, so we'll vet, you know, I think we vet, you know, vetted like 89 companies last year. Now, thousands come in. If they win one of our contests or do well on the platform, you know, if you win place show or even sometimes down to fifth place, you know, if you're mm-hmm. fifth place out of 110 teams, that's still pretty good. Right. So we'll do due diligence on, you know, on, you know, a couple teams a week. And, uh, and most of the time we're still interested. So now we've got this long watch list where we keep updates on them and, and they'll text us in the middle of the night and say, what do I do about this? Or, you know, I need a lawyer for that or whatever. So we wind up in this sort of pseudo mentorship role mm-hmm. for a lot of these companies that we connect with and we believe in, and then we invest in. So even like this company, Direct Shifts, okay. you know, we knew them for 18 months and they, they had that. They had two founders, one of the founder leaves. And then the other founder is depressed and, you know, isn't building what he's supposed to be building. And I'll see him every month at one of my events. Mm-hmm. And I'll say to him, Sai, I literally kicked him once. <laughs> and Sai, just in the play. <laughs> uh, you know, you really, you really need to make a product and start showing it to people. Because until you do that, you know, it's all just talk. Mm-hmm. So you're a coder. You're super smart. You know, your wife is a doctor. You're building it. So you've got the customer right there. Okay, and I, basically it's a locum tenens uh, hiring solution uh, that's automated. So okay. right now when you hire temporary physicians or nurses or whatever, which is huge in COVID, of course, it's right. shifting centers of mass and whatever, um, you know, it used to be like an agency that the agency would get like 40% of the fee. So if the doctor's making $250 an hour, then, you know, 120 of that is going to the agency. These guys brought it down to 15%, automated everything, including malpractice, you know, and it's a matching system. So when he finally got a thousand doctors to sign up for, you know, being on direct shifts, you know, that's when we said, okay, Cy, send us, you know, your, your data and we're going to, you know, think about investing in you. 
but yeah. it was 18 months of kicking him literally mm-hmm. in one case right but you know usually but no look i mean i love the innovations i love what they can do i've seen so many cases where somebody with some what seemed like some harebrained idea you know took off and you know changed the world um, yeah and and that's very inspiring yeah, that's cool. Uh, so do you sit on most of the boards then? Or how does that work? Like how big, how many, do you have a lot of general partners or partners that do this when you guys invest or, or uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm asking in terms of, you know, some of these VC groups, uh, there'll be two general partners and and they'll, or three general partners or whatever it is. And, and they'll sit on every board they invest in almost. Well, I mean, honestly, we are not big enough investors at this point to, um, to do that. Yeah, to do that. Yeah. Um, are we trusted advisors and um, strategic partners? We actually we have an acceleration program okay. which goes for three years, which basically puts us on the phone with them. One of their MVPs. Uh, so the name of our uh, general partner is called the MedStarter Venture Partners, and there's uh, three of us. Actually, now four of us. We just added one, and we, you know, every company gets one of us assigned to them, mm-hmm. and so every month we're going to be on the phone with them. So. You know, when something you know is happening, we're not surprised. Right. Um, and then, and we also have over ninety thousand people in our network that we can pull in and do everything. So we bring companies to Best Buy, we bring companies to CVS. Um, you know, uh, and not just retail. I mean, it's just the two that are top right. of my because we're working on. But also to you know Samsung and Roche and Dexcom, whatever. Great. You know, and we actually are getting into that those transactions where somebody wants to buy one of our companies. Um, you know, we're helping package them, do all that. So so it started out as just a straight up accelerator. I had been part of a ton of accelerators. You know, I, I brought this one called Blueprint uh, to New York City. It's one of the first accelerators. So early experience as a mentor there, and then and four mm-hmm. others. Startup Health actually started up out of my New York city ecosystem. So those oh, guys, okay. you know, yeah, you know, and Steve were, you know, I put them on stage in the beginning um, and, you know, and advised and what have you, but, yep. um, and, 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 you know, and, and very early we took a very collaborative approach um, instead of competitive. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's for the companies that have uh, organizations that have been collaborative, it's been very um, uh, great because I mean, because I spread the word what about what everybody's doing. So I was always, you know, doing newsletters every week to my mm-hmm. crowds, which are some of the biggest in the industry. So, right. So, so it's helpful for them. And, and now for us as, as our companies grow and change and shift and whenever we need to make a, you know, connection to whatever company, you know, we know people six deep, you know, everywhere. So anyway, so, so our accelerator started out just doing that. We also, we do a, a week in New York, well now it's virtual uh, twice a year, with all of our teams. Um, so the next one's going to be in February so we're assembling that class. And so they'll all get the basic training. We'll get to know them on a deeper level and know where their problems are. And then they get to pick which MVP they want. And that's sort of venture partner, which one of those. Um, and that usually naturally develops. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yes, no, not everybody wants me. You know, I'm kind of like the tough love asshole. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's gotten me into a lot of trouble over here. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, but if you look at my LinkedIn, actually, one of my favorite reviews on LinkedIn that I've ever had was this guy. Uh, he's actually a good friend, Farad uh, Janamar, um, and he had this idea, and I thought it was a shitty idea, but I wasn't. I wasn't telling him. Mm-hmm. And we we're on a subway going someplace, and uh, so, but he presses me, and so I do my 
Okay, so here's the six things wrong with it. Um, and here's the three ways to fix it. And <laughs> anyway, so he does, he tells, he tells the world about this on LinkedIn. He's like, well, here's the thing, you know, at first when Alex talks to you, it'll be like, huh, what, who is this guy? <laughs> and then you listen and then, you know, you see what happens or you do what he tells you to. And then you're like, wow, a lot of people have advice, but few are actually worth listening to. So yeah. I, I definitely do not pull up because we ain't got time for that. You want to change healthcare? You want to fix things? You want to you want to get rid of fax machines? You know, whatever it is. Yeah. You, know, you want to make a CGM that doesn't use any needles? You know, um, you know, you you don't have time for bullshit. And yeah. So, so you know, tact has never been my strong suit, and to me, I think it's a, a lack of tact is is a bit of a superpower when it comes to being a VC. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I just I just went and found the found the review. It was the second one down. It's it's good. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, they're better than the one that says he's a great father. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for, that, that that's appropriate. That's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, father, yeah, you know. yeah. Oh no, that's good. I like it. Right. Um, you're a new father, and you you have any reflections on that? I mean, any any? It's I, uh, about you, but I you know it, yeah, element is very important. You yeah, know. yeah. It's uh, it's it's very bizarre. Um, the like everyone can tell you all the advice and, and people give you like the standard cookie cutter advice. And it's like, whatever, I don't need that. But, but, but it's the, it's like actually getting into it. Uh, and like, that's how I've been my entire life. Right. Like when I was a scientist, if you were like Dwayne, uh, business development folks are very important to a company's success. I'd be like, you're full of shit. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm in a business development role and you realize how important it is. But anyways, fatherhood was like the same thing. Right. It's people tell you they're like, oh, they're like, it's the it's you're, you're going to love this. You're going to love this kid like you won't believe. And I'm like, OK, I, whatever, you know, and then you get into it and it's 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 insane. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. no, if it's, it, it, you get bitten, you get bitten by a bug. Yeah. yeah. It's just just like anything else. No. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, like, you know, I, I tell people that all the time. It's like for the last three weeks now, it's been if anyone else would constantly pee, poop, sneeze in my <laughs> face, wake me up at 3 a.m., I'd be like, get out of my life. And this and and this this one, I pick her up and I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Oh, so yeah. cute. No, yeah. I, I, no, I'm the same way. Um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, I remember crazy. when I first met my first my first niece. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, and I was like, yeah. in college, I was like, I want one of these. Yeah. You know, it took me a couple of years, but, but eventually I did. Now I've got two and they're wonderful. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, just wait till they're 13. So uh, let me, I, I have a few more standard questions I got to ask and then I'll stop yeah, the recording. We'll, we'll do a quick download. Um, what is the best piece of advice you would give to a, um, startup company in the health IT, digital health, med tech space. If there's one piece, you got to narrow it down to one piece. It's tough. Uh, you know, what's that one piece of advice you'd give those companies? So the reason my first startup and a lot of startups I see really um, take off quickly and are successful mm-hmm. is because they have a customer. Um, and one of the hardest things in healthcare is really knowing your customer. I know they say, you know, KYC and all that. But, but truly, if you don't have a customer that wants what you're building, what, you, mm-hmm. what you're creating, that loves it, 
you know, it's one thing if you have, you know, an asthma drug that can stop atherosclerosis, which incidentally was my PhD thesis, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, uh, and that's, you know, that's an obvious one. I mean, Merck and AHA, everybody beat a pet to my doorstep to fund what I was doing mm-hmm. um, because it's obvious, right? So they're my customers, pretty obvious. But if you have a expert system that's going to get doctors paid when insurance companies don't want to um, pay them for medical necessity reasons, and you've got like a, 100 page, you know, 100 scientific reference, 20 page document that says I did all the right care now pay me compared to the old standard, which was like a one page with like one reference mm-hmm. that would work 10% of the time versus this thing that didn't lose the case for two years as my first startup. Okay. I never would have conceived of that product existing, right? If the customer didn't say, here's my problem. Right. And then you come up with a creative solution to it, like a database and a, you know, a bunch of you know, can text essentially mm-hmm. or an expert system as they call it back then. Anyway, so, so, you know, if you don't have that customer, you don't got nothing. You right. know, you see so many people say, oh, I invented something that that's going to, you know, change our world. Well, not if nobody buys it. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, and, and if you think about what MedStarter does and what our events do, you know, it's finding customers, you mm-hmm. representing that you're interested in something for the large company. You guys are a big, important customer, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, you know, the product. Cause you think that, I mean, if you think about like uh, partners and, you know, device companies, uh, they're distributors and marketing machines, you know, same with big pharma. They don't invent stuff that much anymore. You know, they right. tend to go out and find it and then say, yeah, this will fit into our catalog, our product map, our, you know, distribution channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, that's a critical, you know, thing that you need. So I would say go out and talk to the actual customers and the customers in, in healthcare are very indirect. Mm-hmm. You might think it's just the patient, uh, or the doctor, but they don't usually get to make the decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. But then again, the people who are the customers, the, you know, Mercs of the world, they really want to know what the ultimate customers want. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously they want to live and if this thing helps people live longer, then that's a no brainer, right? Mm-hmm. So you can prove that something, somebody's going to live longer with a drug or a device or whatever, but that's not the easiest thing to do. It's not the first thing you're going to do. Mm-hmm. First, you got to get people to say, yes, I want that. And then, you know, publish that data, you know, MedStarter is the perfect platform for that because people, real people will click on stuff and you'll be able to see what happened. Um, yeah, and uh, and that's 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 my advice. Now, yeah. cool. go, go talk to your customers, and yep. it, it might not be who you think it is. Mm-hmm. Go all up and down the value chain. You know, patient to investor to well, investors really. Yep. Investors aren't really your customers unless you're just selling stock. Um, yeah, great. So so let me. I'm going to stop the recording here, and we'll do a quick uh, download. Um, well, thank you. But for uh, yeah, I really appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at projectmedtechpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.